0: you could see grandstanding, but you'd see people in positions of power held to account in a public forum. Of course, committees are small groups of MPs. They look into selected matters in greater depth than is possible in the House of Commons. And that's what they were up to today. Hockey Canada executives were playing defense as they testified in front of the House of Commons Standing Committee on Canadian Heritage today. The committee's looking into those to the handling of sexual assault allegations, including how the organization responded to an alleged sexual assault in 2018 involving players on Canada's World Junior Team in London, Ontario. Several witnesses appeared today, including Hockey Canada president and CEO Scott Smith. The committee heard that nine complaints alleging sexual abuse have received $7.6 million, $7.6 in settlements since 1989 from a dedicated fund called the National Equity Fund, which is maintained in part... By membership fees, those who play hockey, kids, parents, their money. Now, most of the payouts have been to abuse victims of former hockey coach Graham James. Hockey Canada has said that fund will no longer be used to settle sexual assault claims. It all comes as former NHL player and abuse survivor Sheldon Kennedy last night criticized the CEO and president and called for him and his leadership team and the board of directors at Hockey Canada to step down. Today, Conservative MP John Nader told Hockey Canada president and CEO Scott Smith that change needs to come for the good of the game. For the good of hockey, for the good of the countless volunteers across this country, the good work that countless blameless people are doing in the sport of hockey, I strongly believe there needs to be new leadership within Hockey Canada. Well, despite that avalanche of criticism, and it really was an avalanche of criticism, not just in Ottawa today, but for the last few weeks, the last month or so from absolutely everywhere, Scott Smith, who has been with Hockey Canada for decades, he's only been the CEO uh, for a few weeks now, but uh, he's been with the organization for a long time, told the committee that uh, he can bring about the need change. He will not step down.
1: I believe I said in my opening statement uh, that I'm prepared to take on this responsibility for change within our game. I believe I've got the experience to do it. Should our board or the governance review that we've outlined our action plan suggest that I'm not the person, then I'm prepared to accept that.
0: That is uh, CEO Scott Smith of Hockey Canada there. They did put out an action plan late last week to try to cope with some of this. Um, it's not a particularly great document but, and feels a bit rushed, but it's out there. He mentions it. Now, keep in mind, the federal government has frozen Hockey Canada's public funding. Major sponsors have started to flee at least individual events such as the world juniors at edmonton coming up is it are they do they need a change of leadership it would seem like they probably do well joining me now is kirstie Elaine. she's an associate professor of sociology and the canada research chair in physical culture and social life at saint thomas university in new brunswick and an expert in men's hockey culture thanks for your time tonight
1: thank you so much for having me today
0: so it feels like there's a lot to wade through with what was uh, said today, what was revealed as uh, Hockey Canada executives appeared in front of this committee in Ottawa. Uh, from your where you're sitting, what did we find out today and how much of it came as a surprise?
1: Um, I think we found out a bit more about the claims. Uh, we did see some overtures to releasing folks from non-disclosure agreements, which I, I think is one of the positive things. But I think uh, we we heard more about Hockey Canada's plan to make sure that this isn't going to happen again. We heard from the head of Hockey Canada that he has no intentions of stepping down. That he's you know feels that he's going to be the the right person to move this along and move move this project of disrupting hockey culture forward. And I think we we saw with our own eyes the, the kind of commitment that Hockey Canada has. I think a lot of people have commented on social media, and I think rightfully so, that a lot of what was said today sounded very hollow, sounded very insincere. And there's a lot of questions about whether uh, the leadership at Hockey Canada, and, and I would even stretch that to the leadership at the Canadian Hockey League, are these the best people to, you know, write the ship to actually people who generated a... a Problematic culture in men's hockey. Can they be the same people to fix it? And I think, as I've said since the beginning of this, likely not. Um, Definitely not. Yeah. Actually.
0: Tell me about that problematic culture because it does feel, uh, in this sense, and even the revelations we continue to find to hear about are are being dug up. They're not being volunteered. Uh, that this is essentially an organization that's been called to the carpet, um, and now they're trying to put a, a good foot forward. But but it doesn't feel like any of this has been voluntary.
1: No, and I, I think what you're saying is is bang on. We we really owe what we know to some some fabulous investigative reporters, and and I commend them for their work here. Um, it's not because Hockey Canada, for all of its uh, language of transparency and truthfulness, they've not been very transparent nor very truthful. In fact, they they've really obfuscated truth throughout. Um, you know, we we heard about the 2018 case only through the press. And then they were brought to account for it. And it was, you know, shortly thereafter that all of a sudden we now hear about the 2003 uh, alleged assault in Halifax. But this none of this came from Hockey Canada. And they've only really I mean, they're answering questions now more or less. But, but to my mind, there's no real commitment to transparency. This is, this is the language of transparency, but we've not actually seen Hockey Canada, the CHL and other executives in, in elite level men's hockey be very transparent at all. And that's not surprising. Hockey Canada and elite level men's hockey in this country has operated as a closed institution. It's been incredibly resistant to letting people in that, that aren't from that community, that weren't sort of Uh, raised in that community, most of the people who are associated with elite level hockey in Canada, men's hockey in Canada came through the system themselves, were trained in a very particular form of hockey culture, and then worked to mentor the next generations of young men. I think that this raises important questions about whether these people are capable of, of, you know, disrupting the culture of tearing it down and building it back up again, which is what we desperately need And I I don't see how that can be possible with the same people at the helm.
0: Tell me a bit about this action plan that was released late, late last week from Hockey Canada to, quote, shatter the code of silence and eliminate toxic behavior in and around Canada's game. Uh, It feels like that was put together relatively, relatively quickly in the face of some very stern criticism. Is it legitimate? Do you think it'll work?
1: I don't see anything new here. Um, you know, I think this, I, and I see some things that are kind of troubling, this overture towards, you know, character assessment. What would that mean? Who would be assessing character and, and how would character be assessed? Uh, I think... You know, these leagues have always done character assessments from the CHL to the NHL. They often do pre-interviews with players. And we've seen that they're not very capable of assessing character. We can think about the player who played in London, Ontario, who was suspended for circulating, I believe, um, sexual images of a former partner who asked not to be drafted to the NHL, but was drafted to the NHL with, with, you know, Montreal saying that he'd learned his lesson. Um, We're... The, the league and those in charge have never been great at assessing character. We can think about the captain of the Toronto Maple Leafs, who the one of he was nominated for the Lady Bing trophy in the same year he he terrorized and mooned a woman in his when he was home in the summertime. Who is going to be assessing this character? What characteristics will they use to assess character? And how will we make sure that these character assessments don't actually duplicate other forms of social injustice and and work to uh, create new problems for the league? Um, I think you're right in saying that you know, it appears kind of slapped together quickly. It's kind of an attempt to show that these people can move this forward. I think a true commitment to changing hockey culture would have started before this crisis. This crisis isn't new. And if we look back, you know, over the last 30 years, at least, we've seen these moments of crisis of upheaval, of media pressure, and then we've seen them fade away. What's really, I think, new here is that it's not fading away. It's certainly not fading away very quickly. Um, There are increasing calls and demands for something new. We no longer are comfortable saying that this is the action of a few bad actors, but are now forced to really look at something bigger than that and assess that this is systemic. This is a systemic problem. This is a cultural problem. And we can't have people deeply embedded in the culture trying to fix the culture because that's the thing about how culture works is that you can't see it when you're in it, right? It it feels natural. It feels normal. And I think some of the reactions today by the hockey executives um, at the standing committee demonstrate that, you know, they were there was inappropriate laughing and they they appeared jovial. These are these are very serious allegations, these are very serious problems. And I'm I'm not convinced that hockey executives throughout the country really understand the magnitude of what's happened here.
0: I'm speaking with Kirstie Elaine. She's an Associate Professor of Sociology at St. Thomas University, New Brunswick, and an expert in men's hockey culture. We're talking about an appearance today in front of a standing committee in Ottawa of Hockey Canada executives dragged onto the floor to uh, talk about settlements that have been paid to uh, victims uh, of sexual assault or alleged assaults over the years. Uh, 21 total cases we learned today from two different funds. Uh, that's a lot of money and uh, lots of calls these days, lots of pressure in Hockey Canada um, to change leadership if they're going to try and solve what is clearly a cultural issue within uh, hockey in this country and within uh, the governing body when we come back uh, some ideas about what progress might actually look like if it's not going to come from who's there now who could it come from that's next My guest is Kirstie Elaine. She's an associate professor of sociology at St. Thomas University in New Brunswick, also an expert in men's hockey culture in this country. Uh, We've been talking about an appearance today in front of a standing committee in Ottawa uh, by Hockey Canada executives trying to explain uh, and answer questions posed by MPs about uh, a whole bunch of allegations that have come out recently. Most recently, of course, this, uh, this alleged assault in London, Ontario back in 2018, another one that's emerged in Halifax in 2003, but also a whole series of payoffs, it seems, made by Hockey Canada. Canada to uh, alleged victims of sexual assault, uh, Christy just Christy just to understand where this money is coming from. It sounds like they're using money paid by parents to hush up scandals.
1: That's what it sounded like to me as well. And I mean, not only that, but the gall, the gall to call this the equity fund. which of course, you know, makes it appear that they're trying to hide this. If I were looking at a a balance sheet for a business and they had a line for an equity fund, I would have assumed that this was money devoted towards, you know, special initiatives to increase women's participation in hockey or racialized folks' participation in hockey. I would not have expected that the equity fund would have been used to settle out-of-court settlements around their insurance company. Um, you know, this appears to be hush money, and th- that's hidden. I think that that seems quite obvious.
0: Now, you've spoken to a lot of people in the game over the years, this is a subject you know very well, it's certainly not nothing new. Uh, what are you hearing from those who, who are trying to change things from from the inside, those who's who have been within the system who think there must be there must be something wrong here and something that needs to shift?
1: Um, I, I've i received a few emails from former players and, and an email from a, a mother of two elite level athletes in the last few days i think being in the public eye through this story has has brought some some interesting stories to me i people are really troubled i think i think that these are important s- stories and accounts um, we often think that young men when they leave hockey culture, you know, celebrate it as sort of the glory time of their life. But I think a lot of these young men looking back are really horrified at some of the things that that they endured and some of the things that they participated in. and And that this is traumatizing for them. I, I think that these are important important stories. They also speak to the fact that that lots of people knew what was going on, have known, have participated. Um, you know, I, I heard David Branch today say that hazing has been out of the league for, for you know, over a decade. That's, that's just not true. What I'm hearing from players is, is that their coaches and managers are telling them, do whatever you want, just make sure it doesn't come back to us. Don't get caught. Um, these kinds of attitudes are, are, are incredibly troubling.
0: So what can be done if it's not going to be changed from the inside? What, what, what does the near term look like if Hockey Canada and others um, are going to change? What is a long-term issue within the game?
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's, the, that's the really hard question. Here's what we know. We know that the people there can't fix it, and we know that they need to step aside. We know that um, fixing hockey culture is going to take lots of different people, lots of different voices, and it's gonna take some really creative thinking. It's gonna take folks who have been shut out from hockey, folks who have have experienced hockey at its worst, sitting down together and imagining something new. The exact form that takes, I think at this point is really hard to say, but the only way we can start to imagine something new is by making space, creating room for new voices in the game. And these are gonna include people who aren't invested in the same kinds of attitudes that, that former people who've been invested in the game are that we maybe need to focus on, on fun, on, um, you know, on building good people instead of building good sports systems. And I think this, this also speaks to some of the problems at sport Canada as well, which are, are, you know, increasingly being tied to the, to the problems with hockey Canada, that this is a sport issue, we will need creative thinkers. We'll need people who, who come from different places, who have different points of view, not the same people, not the people who have been mentoring and producing and aiding and abetting, you know, a, an incredibly toxic culture of masculinity. Um, our game deserves better than that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it must be in the long run, one would think, uh, and it's difficult to separate. I mean, this is always talked about the age of the athletes. They're young, they're, you know, they're successful. They're, you know, it's, it's difficult to control, but, but at the same time, it feels like in the long run, it would create a better game if this, if this were
1: to come true. so. I mean, part of my work has been on Canadian national identity and and that tie, the ways that uh, men's hockey is deeply embedded in our sense of Canada. Wouldn't we want a game that's so wonderful that we can be so proud, you know, that this, you know, we, we tie hockey to Canadian identity because we think it says something about what it means to be Canadian. And I think it does. And today we're feeling, you know, a lot of shock, a lot of shame, a lot of embarrassment. I think you know, publicly, there's a great push for something new. And I think we need to build on that, the possibility of something new, you know, and demand better from the people who run hockey, it's not enough to say, I'm the person who can do it, you can't be the person who breaks the system and the person that fixes it. It's time to demand that those in leadership roles in men's elite level hockey broadly, step down and create space for people who have been traditionally excluded, who have ideas. And new ways of imagining hockey as something, something better, something, something better than it is now.
0: Christy Lane, thanks so much for your time tonight.
1: Thanks for joining. Thanks, thank you for having me.